0: Welcome to Canada's Musical Mosaic. I'm Maria Beaumont, pianist, composer, and the host of the podcast. In this episode, I have the tremendous pleasure of speaking with one of the greatest singers in the world. Quite simply, she's amazing. She's from the East Coast of Canada, originally from Fredericton, New Brunswick, and now lives in Nova Scotia. She trained at the University of Toronto Faculty of Music and then in Germany. She's received many awards and several honorary doctorates. Known primarily as an opera singer, she's also ventured into the worlds of jazz, folk, and spirituals. I can only be describing the incomparable Misha Berger Gosman. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh my goodness, Rhea, that is like so incredible. I always think those introductions are like they kind of take me to my own funeral. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Where people are like doing this list of things that they remember about and they're talking about another person and you know, you and I in the kind of preamble to starting we're talking about how we can see our lives from a objective perspective when horrifying things happen you know, as as, as a kind of mind-body separation so that you can cope but also when really great things happen and I am in humbled reverence about how god has moved so consistently throughout my career and throughout my life and when i listen to introductions like that i just um am arrested again at 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 his goodness and just the rare air that i've been able to breathe so thanks for having me
0: oh i mean it's absolutely my pleasure Your Christian faith that you mentioned quite openly has guided you through an incredible career, but also quite the journey. So how are you, especially when you're into COVID? How are things?
1: (laughs) Oh, COVID. (laughs) Listen, I mean, you got to maintain your joy. I mean, and the thing about the Christian faith or being a Christ follower or, you know, having a system that allows you to like reach for joy at every moment is like so clutch. In times like these, which are like super ridiculous, but God knew what was coming. So, I mean, what I have found through COVID and even pre-COVID, I was pretty open about, you know, the Jesus-centric focus of my life. But the thing is, is that I've had just way more time to study, you know, way more time to like, you know, get to a deeper sense of what that means for me. Because, I mean, without the practical implication... Uh, your faith is just theoretical. The fact that so many people are in so much agony, suffering so much, dying to the opioid crisis, more people are dying of that than COVID. And now, you know, the mental health crisis that was already you know, banging on the door has the floodgates have opened. And now we have a real crisis that has real solutions. And it is rooted in live music. It is rooted in the arts. You know, the fact that we as artists have an opportunity to reach into people's souls and touch them there is making us essential workers. We always were. We just didn't really have a consequential existence like we do now. So that's, you know, what has fueled how like the 38 videos that I've executive produced and, you know, the TV series, this and the National Arts Center projects. And, you know, I'm the permanent artist in residence at Opera Atelier. And I I try to, like, make these things happen because I know that people are dying. Like, that's literally how I'm thinking about it, because that is the reality. And we're all thinking that no one else. Is suffering, or we're assuming that everyone's suffering and nobody has any answers. But there is an answer, and don't make me say it, because you know I'm gonna say it. His name is Jesus. Now I <laughs> <laughs> listen. You asked for it. I did. Asked for it. But you know, you at a certain point you have to put your money where your mouth is. And Misha, are you producing? Misha, are you out there doing stuff? Misha, are you reaching out? Misha, are you you know like? For the arts organizations that shut their doors and used the artists that were um, on making their businesses possible to sustain them through the season and not pay the artists like shame on you.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You know,
1: like there will be a reckoning and I'm not going to be a part of it. That's God's responsibility. But my responsibility was to make sure that you could find me.
0: Well, you mentioned that you're artist-in-residence at Opera Atelier. Congratulations. I did see their video production called Something Rich and Strange that you were featured in. And it's beautifully filmed. It looked and it sounded great. Uh, gorgeous costume, by the way. Actually, everything Opera Atelier
1: does is very beautiful. Everything opera atelier does, right? Mm-hmm. Like to like pause for Marshall Pinkowski and Jeanette La Zing, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. for that whole team, you know, for like just their board and 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 how they turned around and used their grant money to produce. You know, to employ me, by the way, like, you think my mortgage is going to pay itself? It can't pay itself on hopes and dreams. It can't. I went in and asked if I could, you know, pay my loan and potential, and they were like, no, nah, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I just, you know, intangible provision. You know, you can name the Illuminato Festival. I have to pay homage to the Bravo Niagara Festival. Like, honestly, these people have, you know, TD Jazz, you know, did a bunch. And and there's a lot of people sustaining and bringing the healing to people, right? There's a lot of arts organizations um, doing stuff. And especially now, as we feel like we need to find a way because we're not going back. Classical music. We're not going back. Could you please stop? (laughs) Could you please stop waiting for the concert halls to open and for like the costume departments to be viable? Like, could you just please stop? Could you like make your peace with creating a new paradigm with the artists at the pinnacle? You know, because why are there not more opera singers running opera companies? Like, I don't understand that. I know like two.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. That makes no sense to me. Well, you have been performing, and you're also
1: self-producing. I just finished being the only soloist that the Vancouver Symphony brought live, and we sang Mahler with Otto Tausk. That's coming up. That'll be broadcast. They sang their gala, too, and, you know, uh, Black History Month situation and i taught a couple days you i think you can find it online we might post it to youtube my master classes with the vancouver symphony orchestra school of music angela elster is just the most delightful um instigator out with that orchestra she's just tirelessly employing musicians left and right and david matthew Baird, and you know all the people there are just so great but um Then I went to um, Toronto for a few days, but there was this weird no man's land where I live in Nova Scotia and we come home and we have to quarantine if we go away. But if I come home and I have 10 days between performances, then I would normally be able to just come home and be with my children and then go back out on the road, but not so in COVID. So if I came home, I would be like a prisoner in my house. Now, any of you who've been watching me on the gram know that I live in paradise and know I won't tell you where and don't come find me because I can see you coming from a great distance and I like my privacy, but (laughs) I didn't want to come home between performances for 10 days and like be locked in my house for 10 days. But so then I was kind of, I'd go to different organizations and be like, could either one of you kind of cover this? I mean, as artists in residence, could I be producing for you as um, you know, a project manager for a series you're doing? Could I come early and maybe offer But at the same time, like, people, I need to rest. Like, I've had two emergency open-heart surgeries in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I can't be going whole hog all the time. My body won't take it. Right? So I also need to advocate for myself. And this is for someone, okay? This isn't just the Misha Brugger-Gosman story. This is, like, women, mothers, artists, singers, business owners, like, hear me, yogis. You know, it's like... Cardiac patients and anybody with, like, a body, listen, you you have to, like, take care of it. Mm -hmm. And it's not indulgent to say, will you pay for me to lie in a hotel room for three days? Because I'm coming to you next. Do you want me fresh, yes or no? Like, and, but this is a new voice that I've had to find in COVID. Like, I'm like, my... God, do I not want to be out in these mean streets advocating in this way. I'm an opera singer. Like, I just really... I thought I would have a simpler existence.
0: (laughs) You know? So nobody told you that the music business was not going
1: to be simpler? (laughs) I know, and I've never done anything else. That's the other thing. I don't know what I keep waiting for. Like, I don't know what I keep, like, do I look at people in cubicles and in their jobs or in their nine-to-fives or in their salaried positions and think, oh, me too? No, I never think that. So what's my problem? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, um, you're an artist, and one of the best at that. You know, I was going to ask you, since you mentioned your home on the East Coast, the Maritimes, how has your heritage and being Canadian affected your career and your outlook? Um, We'll discuss your lineage a little later, but I was curious. Because you've traveled the world, and it's nice to know what your perspective is, Um, I mean, personally, I think we have a pretty high level of social consciousness and awareness
1: in Canada, but you're a strong advocate. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? Well, the thing is, I don't feel like an advocate so much as someone who has discovered this information that seems incredibly ridiculous to be something that's currently happening, such as like Africville. You know, how are you going to turn that into a dog park and not acknowledge, like in real time, like in actual dollars, like actual, not none of this nonsense that has come to them so far, but like actual figures that reflect what was stolen from them, you know? And so then when I find that out, (laughs) I'm like, have you heard? (laughs) Like, are you, it's almost like when David came on to the battlefield and saw Goliath talking smack about his God and he was like, Has this been, how long has this been going on? (laughs) And he picks up some rocks and saves a nation. Uh, You know, this project that I'm working on right now is about, you know, the reality that it is to be subjected to the trauma of our lot in the maritime provinces, right? Just uncovering, you know, uncovering the truth about, you know, our history, our reality, our future, you know, and it's also uncovering the goodness of the resiliency of the, like, such, I've never encountered more dedication to a good time than in my maritime provinces. I have never seen people So willing to party. (laughs) Like, it is the most joyful part of the country, too. Right? Everybody knows that. Nobody's going to be up in here debating if Maritimers are happy or friendly or kind. So talking about things like that, you know, because it is, yes, the Have Not provinces, seven of the ten most impoverished communities are in my home province of New Brunswick, and they're all indigenous. That is appalling. Absolutely. You know, the fact that there's a top 10 anything and that we're not somehow able to figure out that as taxpaying legal citizens, we're all entitled to the same thing. That's the foundational problem, of course. That's a systemic problem. But in our hearts, that that exists and like we're kind of cool with it. Like obviously, we're in some respects doing the best we can. I have to believe that, right? In some respects. But I think you have to take those wins and then, like, use your calling, your anointing, your blessings, the fact that we were born in a country that is like winning the lottery. We have to use that to advance the rest of us who are in the same country but not living the same reality. And then that same egalitarian mentality which is good business too by the way then spreads like our peacekeeping reputation throughout the world right where it's not like in canada we can't be good at something and famous for being good at something we've done it so now let's make it that we eradicate poverty and racism and then be known for that too I mean, that's what you accomplish, this kind of sense of unity, because it is about unity, isn't it, right? Where you have this unified approach to, uh, you know, heralding Canadian luminaries, and we're all able to see it, therefore, giving us more of a sense of ourselves so that we can grow in confidence through identity. Right. I mean, you're doing good work, Dr. Raya. is all (laughs) I'm saying.
0: Well, thank you. It's COVID, so I'm podcasting at the moment. <laughs> but no, thank you. I, I sincerely appreciate that. You know, look at the fabulous people that this project has brought me into contact with and I have conversations with and also learn from. I also learned that about 10 years or so ago, uh, you discovered your lineage and cultural roots traced back to Cameroon. Of course, I'm referring to your Songs of Freedom documentary from 2015 and the 2017 album of the same name. I mean, that must have been absolutely incredible to discover
1: what a rich heritage uh, that you had. Well, i got to say, growing up, I didn't really care. You know, I never wondered whose I was. I never lacked for belonging. I was bullied mercilessly in elementary school, but, you know, but I was protected and I felt heard and seen. And I found singing found me early. Piano found me early. Like I had a outlet and then I was, you know, in rugby to let out some of the aggression from the injustice and blah. And, you know, I had the whole trajectory, but like the whole time I wasn't wondering about you know, my quote-unquote roots. Like, that kind of genealogical journey started out um, as me being approached by the CBC to do Who Do You Think You Are, that television show that, you know, followed the genealogical journeys of you know, Canadian luminaries, and I was an episode, and, and they took me first to, you know, you know, working back from your current place, which was, you know, let's say Fredericton, which is where I grew up, on the north side in Nashua, Texas. um... We start in those archives, and the f- the funny thing is, Dr. Rhea, you'll love this, because okay. mm-hmm. my brother and my sister had both done an internship at the New Brunswick Archives. Okay. Like, they both kind of researched my family there, or had taken an interest, but I not. So, like, I was too busy, like, already touring, and my only job, as I told you, is has always been as a, a singer, or as a musician. Right. Yeah. And so... I step into this New Brunswick archives, you know, essentially for the first time on, you know, camera with the CBC and they lead me through the journey, you know, of me figuring out, you know, that we had ancestry with the British as a black loyalist from the last British stronghold, which was New York state. And then, but we didn't go back before that, that was the, who do you think you are episode. That's where I found out. I was a black loyalist. You know, the book of Negroes, that amazing book by Lawrence Hill, of course, tells that story. And that's exactly, you know, for a frame of reference, my story. And then I was approached by um, Barbara Willis Sweet of the former Rhombus Media, and she had a project for me that she proposed, which was the genealogy, which will become Songs of Freedom. And at the time, the band and I were at a recording studio in Claremont, uh, Ontario recording our Christmas album on Warner. You know, we loved going up to the, it's called the Chalet Studios in Claremont, Ontario. And this, when Barbara presented it to me, it was clear to me that there was going to be a soundtrack. And I was like, oh, we could probably go back and record that soundtrack there, which was the soundtrack for the film. But the film came and then really, if you listen to Songs of Freedom, it's my homage to my favorite album, which is Lauryn Hill's The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Songs of Freedom was the album that precedes my most recent album, which is Misha Jazz. The same personnel appear, but the thread through all of my non-classical albums is Aaron Davis. And in this past year, you know, Aaron and I have been able to work um on some beautiful orchestrations and and there was another collaborator Edwin Huzinga it's the same vibe you know it's you, th- this season if we're talking about what covid has brought us or if I'm talking about what covid has brought me <clears throat> it's been these incredible collaborations that would have otherwise never happened like i wrote a song with Lenny Gallant, and um i wrote music like i wrote a soundtrack for a Radio drama with Sam Rosenthal and Drew Carnworth. I did uh, executive produced like a just I don't even know what it is yet, and just capitalizing on this general skill that I seem to have for communication. Like I just like talking to people and making things clear or expressing like a thought that I. Imagine someone else is having to. Do you know what I mean? Yes. With my position in the public eye, I certainly don't want to be wasting my space talking about things that don't matter. You know, things that aren't actually affecting people's actual lives. Like, please stop me. If at any point, you know, there isn't some... Desire for healing, or, or or uncovering of a greater truth, or dislodging of something for you, or from you know, if there's, I just, I I guess this is my convoluted way of saying I just hate small talk. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate
0: it. <laughs> well, you know, I I think. Uh, that's also a part of what endears you to people. It's that you're actually willing to discuss subjects that are often deeply personal and sometimes painful and also insightful. Actually, what you said last year, and it's, it's almost a year to the day, on March 28th, 2020, when Canada had only been in COVID-19 lockdown for a few weeks, you said in an interview with the Canadian paper, The Globe and Mail... Faith is never grown in comfort. It has to be tested. It has to be subjected to adversity. Otherwise, it's not really faith, is it? (laughs) I thought, there you go. So maybe people hearing this a year later would say, yeah, you know, you got it after two weeks, and it took everyone else about another 50
1: weeks to get on board. Well, I love that you're talking like my mom right now Because my mom said that She was like, you're ahead of the curve Like, you put out concerts before You know, right, like, right at the cusp Like, I just finished a product in Ottawa Like, right before they shut everything down Which might mean that the people And I pray that this isn't the case Who were meant to come after me May have to wait, right? They may have to wait But I worry just like everybody else You know, like I try not to give over to crippling anxiety just like everybody else. You know, I I may in some instances keep myself moving so that I don't rest long enough to realize that I have no money. But if I keep moving, God keeps putting the next step in front of me, right? And he'll give me the desires of my heart and he'll allow me to continue to succeed but I have to keep putting one faith filled step in front of the other. I have this ripples and ripples and ripples in my wake and around me reverberating from just my business that I really attempt to employ as many people as possible, whether I have it or not. Now, I have had it, but I don't currently have it for the next thing like I'm just kind of wishing on the next thing praying on the next thing which you know I don't mind saying is my Easter Monday concert like I have some things in place but I just want to give faith to the person out there who thinks they have to have everything assembled And all of the Mm -hmm. I's dotted and T's crossed. Like, sometimes you will go in there with, like, like a chicken wire, duct tape, and a prayer. But if you have the right (laughs) people with you, it's going to work. And even if it's just you, like, that's the thing. I know if it's just me, it's going to work. I know it's going to work. And so for the people out there who are wondering if they should start the business or write the book or, you know, write the song or release the album or, you know, all of these things or call the girl or forgive the person or that step that you feel it keeps coming in to your consciousness and that keeps coming into your thoughts and you wake up thinking about it. It's the last thing you go to sleep thinking about. Those things are there on purpose, not for you to push away, but for you to act on and watch how God blesses you as a result. But like I gotta say, not everything is in place and I'm going ahead anyway. Easter Monday concert. Easter Monday. <laughs> I mean, we put the, the ticket for live live the live concert and the live stream concert. We'll put them up on Monday. People, it's happening. Yeah.
0: Where can they get the tickets?
1: Um, we're on Eventbrite, Misha's Easter Monday. Easter Misha Monday, something that that one like that. A combination okay. of those three words on Eventbrite. Fabulous. The link is definitely on my Instagram profile, at Misha Brugger-Gosman. So, yeah, we want people to, you know, come. And I, I speak in the almighty name of our Lord and Savior that the live concert will sell out.
0: Oh, I'm sure it's going to sell out as soon as everyone hears about it. Misha's performing a concert of gospel and hymns with her band, live, in Kentville, Nova Scotia. It's also being live-streamed on Easter Monday April 5th, 2021. Tickets are available on Eventbrite and I'll also post the link to the tickets at canadasmusicalmosaic.com along with links to Misha's Instagram and Facebook pages and her website. It's been an incredible pleasure and a privilege talking to you today and learning so much from you, uh, from someone who's traveled the world and made Canada proud. And I also want to thank you very much for keeping it real for us.
1: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. It's been a pleasure for me, too. I'm
0: Rhea Beaumont for Canada's Musical Mosaic. Please visit the website for those links. And if you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, sign up there or at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Rhea Beaumont. Thanks for
1: listening. Until next time.